I'm your host, Carl Gessler, and I'm glad that you have joined us today because we've got good news for you, for your entire being and for the entire planet. And that is why I am doing this podcast today, trying to recapture the goodness of the gospel. And unfortunately, um, this isn't good news, but uh, Susie is not with me in the podcast studio today because we had a series of uh, unfortunate events this week as we had um, a shower faucet break, and then right after that, our washing machine broke. So I had to spend time working on that uh, myself this week. And as parents of six children, and as a father who keeps his family fairly busy, um, I had to give Susie the day off today because she just we didn't have uh, extra time with those extracurricular activities to record this podcast together today. So also, as it was advertised last week, we're not going to be talking about uh, the book of Acts today. We're not going to be talking about the subject I advertised last week because of a harsh response that we had from last week's episode with Dr. Salim Munayer, who is a Palestinian Christian, and he shared with us um, his view of the land and his testimony growing up um, as a family who's lived in the Palestine area for uh, thousands of years. And I wasn't surprised by this response um, on one hand, because it's one of the reasons I delayed in doing that podcast at all. But on the other hand, I was still shocked at the severity of it, also coming from a friend. Um, so we're not going to obviously reveal any name today, but I'm going to share his response with you and talk about that a little bit, because this podcast is about recapturing the goodness of the gospel. I believe that my generation um, is really trying to find its roots in the church. We love Jesus. We've encountered Jesus in various and powerful ways, and we love the church, but there is a certain intellectual engagement with the uh, church culture as we know it that is extremely lacking, in my opinion, in my experience. And there's an intellectual dishonesty that is rather revolting, just that there are, and, and today's topic is going to um, address this a little bit. Uh, but we want to talk about things that we have seen that are inconsistent with the Jesus that we know and experience and that we read about in the Bible, that we, we've experienced things within our Christian uh, culture, within our church experience, within our Christian family experience that have have been deeply disturbing, and maybe it's rocked our faith. It's, it's caused us to, be, uh, to deconstruct our faith a little bit, maybe a lot. So this podcast is about working through those things and uh, discovering who Jesus is as opposed to maybe who we thought he was growing up, uh, maybe who our parents represented him as, or how a, a pastor or a church culture represented him. And uh want to be careful in all that we do not to throw out the baby with the bathwater. I am a worship leader at a, a Presbyterian church, which I'm not even a Calvinist, so that seems really weird. But I'm there because people love Jesus. I'm not there because they agree with me. I'm not there because uh, of the Westminster Confession. I'm not there uh, for any kind of um, doctrinal reason other than that they worship Jesus as uh, as Lord and as God, and they love him and seek do their best to obey him. And that's what, that's what it comes down to. That's what we want. That's what I believe Jesus wants. So we're not seeking to start a revolution. We're not seeking to tear down structures. We're just creating space to be satisfied with our 
understanding of Jesus, because we say he's the light of the world, that he is the truth, and the truth sets us free. And yet there are some things from church culture that maybe have caused us not to be free. They've actually added bondage and fear and all these things to our lives. And we're trying to figure out, well, if Jesus is the truth, then how can he set us free? So last week, we talked about an issue that I think is important because it reflects an inconsistency in gospel preaching, and that is the issue of Israel and Palestine. And I'm not trying to take a side in this uh, very complex, very intense, very personal, very not personal to me, but uh, in that land, it's very personal con- conflict it's extremely complicated, and I'm not at all trying to say we should be for Palestine or we should be for Israel. What I'm saying is that we should be for Jesus. We should be for the gospel, and the gospel is for everyone. It's for the entire planet, and it should be good news for everyone. And so one of the things that I pointed out last week was just that when certain sectors of the uh, church preaches that uh, the Jews need to go back to quote-unquote, their land in order for Jesus to come back, it creates this conflict where we need to kick people out of their land, people who have been there for thousands of years, in order to get what we want, which is Jesus coming back. But of course, when Jesus comes back, as the Bible teaches, he's going to bring justice. He's going to set things right. And so if we are in the middle of committing injustice in order to get Jesus to come to set things right, we are actually working against what he's going to do when he gets here. So there's something seriously wrong with that position, that if we find ourselves in a position where we are cornered into a a political uh, position that articulates injustice— We need to stop and ask ourselves, where is this pressure coming from? So I got this email from a friend who, um, he's more of an acquaintance, um, because I don't think actually a friend would do this, but he was very offended by last week's podcast. He's, He's been big into eschatology, so eschatology is kind of a vague word that is, that has to do with um, final events in history, the, the Wikipedia definition says it's a part of theology concerned with the final events of history or the ultimate destiny of humanity. Uh, the concept is commonly referred to as the end of the world or end time. So basically, eschatology, you know, is how people think things are going to work out in the end, however you define the end. A lot of Christians believe that the world is going to end with, uh, you know, Armageddon, the world being burned up, and us all going to heaven. And one of the things that I've said many times on this podcast throughout the years now is that the goal is not going to heaven. The goal is a new heavens and a new earth. Genesis 1 says that God created a good world, and he intends on saving that world. That's why this good news is not just good news for your soul, it's good news for the whole planet. It's the creation project that God ordained, that God originated, that God commissioned, and that God said several times in in the opening pa- pages of the Bible, this is very good, is not abandoning his creation project. He's rescuing it. That's the whole point of the gospel. But the understanding of this man who emailed me is uh, one that sees the world ending and particular events taking place right before the end comes. And there are a lot of variations on what that looks like. I'm sure if you have grown up in the church, you are familiar with um, one or two or several of those uh, different theories. 
So he messaged me and he said that last blog, and he meant podcast, but it was, he read the blog post. Uh, he said that last podcast is unbiblical to the core and borderline demonic. I have unfriended you because of it. Sorry, but I want no part of what you teach. And like I said, uh, this didn't really surprise me because I know that people get really worked up over this issue. But at the same time, it's a little shocking at, at the kind of violent language uh, used to describe last week's episode, calling it demonic. I don't know what you picked up from last week's podcast, and if you didn't hear it, I would be glad for you to go back and listen to it and then tell me what could possibly be described as demonic in it. Uh, and honestly, I don't think that there's any any possible way you could call it that. I suppose that what is being referred to there is maybe that I am acting like an antichrist because I'm not advocating Jewish or Christian Zionism where uh, where the Jews are entitled to a particular piece of real estate in the Middle East uh, in order for Jesus to come back. So I guess if you have that view and someone's saying, uh, no, that's not true and you shouldn't take uh, the land of people who have been there for thousands of years, uh, then you maybe that is seen as being antichrist and maybe that's where the demonic part comes in. But this is something I'd like to point out. My friend here is a white man who's living in the West. Who, I don't think he's ever been to the Middle East. He's not connected with oil in any way. Uh, what is his involvement? What is his investment in the Middle East? Is he Palestinian? Does he have Palestinian roots? Does he have Palestinian family? Does he have Israeli family? Does he have Jewish roots? He, he doesn't have any of those things. Why is this such a hot-button issue, issue to him? What is it that made him so upset? And I want to suggest to you that it's because when we believe in Jesus, whether we were born into the church or whether someone um, shared the gospel with us on the street for the first time, when you get to that point where you say, okay, I'm going to put my faith in this, and in that I'm going to build my life around these confessions about Jesus being God and about my need to worship him and being made in his image, we take on to ourselves not just Jesus, as we imagine, we're actually adhering to a whole package, which is pretty much everything my parents and uh, their peers taught me, you know, the people I trust, the people I love and trust. We just accept the whole thing. Or maybe you didn't grow up in the church at all and someone witnessed to you, and especially in that moment, you know, uh, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but, but through me. And he said that the truth will set you free. And when that person shared the gospel with you, it hit home and you said, this is true. And it was such an impactful and powerful thing to actually finally know that something is true, that everything else that the person who witnessed to you said and did for a while was also equally true in your mind. That's natural. That's normal. That's the way we, uh, that's just the way we function as human beings. But then, of course, problems come into that when we have disappointments, when we expected God to act one way or expected a prayer to be answered one way and it didn't, or when the people who presented Jesus to us stab us in the back because they have some kind of inconsistency in their character, or a church group, we feel like we were betrayed by them or they they were unjust to us in some way, and then begins the process of deconstruction, and we start saying, well, what is right? What is wrong? And there are many things that can threaten our faith when it is bottled up in a package. 
for many people, they were told that Jesus is the Son of God and that we know this because the Bible says so. And then in that same, from the same people, we also heard that if you believe in the Bible, you have to believe in a literal seven-day creation because, quote-unquote, that's what the Bible says. And then you go off to school and you start studying, you're, maybe you're into science, and you discover that it seems, and I'm no scientist, but I've seen this happen to many people, it seems that science says that the world was shaped in a very different way. And so again, you're faced with this mo- moment of deconstruction where you question, well, if the world was not made in a literal seven days, then maybe nothing of what I was told before was true. Because I was told this was immovable truth, and I was told that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And and if one isn't true, maybe the other isn't true. And so when someone challenges our idea of eschatology by saying it's not right, when I say it's not right for Christians to join up with a political movement to put Jews back in the land of Israel at the expense of the Palestinian people. That's what I'm saying. We We can't back that up theologically and say that God ordains that, because God would be ordaining injustice. And beyond that, the Bible doesn't actually teach that, which is a subject for another day. But when I say that, if you were raised in a church that talked about the end of the world coming, about Israel getting their land and all that stuff over and over again, it sounds to you like I just denied the faith. And so you might call that podcast borderline demonic yourself or unbiblical to the core. And what I want to challenge today is what we have put our faith in. These kind of topics have the value of presenting a mirror to us to ask us this question. Have you put your faith into a system or into a person and to a historical event? This is why the technical definition of the gospel is so important. The gospel is not a systematic theology for or formula for getting into heaven. The gospel is an announcement. It's about something that has happened, whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not, whether we believe it or not. It's like saying the sun rose rose in the east today. That's not debatable. Well, you could debate it, but it either happened or it didn't. And that's the kind of that's the nature of news. You can talk about how the sun comes up and how the the heat from its rays is heating up the earth and how it affects us, but in some ways that's redundant because you're already feeling the heat of its rays. That's the nature of the gospel. You already feel the effect of it just through the announcement itself. The gospel announcement is that Jesus is Lord, and we know that this is true because Jesus rose from the dead, period. There's so much more to learn about what does that mean? Why did it have to be that way? How can I know Jesus rose from the dead, etc.? But the, the claim, the news, the gospel, is that this has happened. I can explain to you a theory of atonement, which may make sense to you, and it may not. You may say, that makes sense, and I can, I can see how that would work, and I could put my faith in that system. But that's not the same thing as a simple announcement. We're coming up on the anniversary of my dad's death. He was 49, and he, he passed away 14 years ago. 
I could explain to you how my dad lived. I could explain to you the philosophy of his life and the way he viewed God and and how his life was satisfying. And all that would be interesting, and it would be valuable, and it would be something that uh, could inspire you to live a a particular way. But it's not news. It's advice. News would be if I said, you know, I went over to my dad's grave, the, you know, the spot where we buried him in the ground, six feet beneath, and he was, he's encased in, the silver, in this uh, cement box and then in a wooden box inside that cement box. And you know what happened? When I went over there, the wooden box had busted through the cement box and the ground had been removed and my dad wasn't in there. And when I turned around, my dad was standing there. And at first I thought he was a ghost. And then I touched his arm and I could feel his arm and he had hair on his arm. And he said to me, Carl, I've missed you. It's so good to see you. And we had, we hugged and we went out to eat at Waffle House and we had steak and eggs. You know, that is the nature of news. If I told you that, you would say, probably say that I'm crazy. Uh, and you know, you would. I, I think I would say that too. I'd be like, yeah, that, that's nuts. But it either happened or it didn't. When we give people the gospel, we are not giving them a package system of here's how you have to believe the world began. Here's how you believe have, how you have to believe that the world will end. We're simply giving them news. You know what? God did something amazing. This man, Jesus, was dead. He was crucified. He was tortured. The the Romans knew how to kill people, and they made sure he was dead. He was dead, and then he was buried for three days. And then what we've been told is that the tomb, which was sealed with this huge stone, was somehow rolled away in the middle of the night, and Jesus was not in the tomb. There was no bones. There was nothing left of him in there. And then this lady, Mary Magdalene, actually saw him. And then he told us to meet us to meet him in Galilee. So we went there and we met him and we saw him and we touched him and we worshipped him. And then there was another time when we were on we were fishing again and we saw him on the beach and he called us over and one of us was so excited he jumped in the water and swam to meet Jesus on the beach. So we all we all went over to the beach. We got out and it was Jesus and we touched him and we talked to him and he ate fish with us. He's actually alive. That's news. That's called news. When we share the gospel with somebody, that's the news we're telling them. And becoming a Christian and being a Christian has nothing to do with what you believe about eschatology or about how the world began. What you have to believe is that the Creator God, which maybe He made the world in seven literal days, maybe He made the world in 700 million years, billion years, whatever. Like I said, I'm not a scientist. The God who created the world and said it was good for some reason, and there is a reason, I'm not saying that there isn't, has raised Jesus from the dead. And that means something. It means something for you. And the reason we have the rest of the Bible, the reason we read the rest of the Bible, is because the Bible provides the story of the world for which Jesus is the climax. And as we get familiar with that story, we will understand how Jesus's accomplishment affects us and the world that we live in. That's a lifelong journey. It's a process. It's a discipline. It's not something we learn overnight. It's not something we get all the answers to right away. It's something we begin to do because we have been convinced at some level that this statement about Jesus, that he is alive and he cares about you, and somehow his resurrection means something important for you, That's where you begin. 
That's what makes you a Christian or not. When you, without even maybe understanding it all, just acknowledging that Jesus is significant. The fact that we're still talking about a crucified Jew thousands of years later, it means something really important. And ultimately, it means that he's worthy of worship. That's where it begins. And anytime you get lost in the process, anytime you begin to deconstruct, anytime your faith feels threatened because the package you believe in, and everybody's got one, seems to be being challenged or being shaken, come back to, those, to that root. The announcement, the good news is Jesus is alive and he's giving his life to you and he's worthy of your worship. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to have a well-sealed-off systematic theology. You have to have a love and a trust in the person of Jesus. When we feel threatened in our faith, whether it's because someone's eschatology doesn't line up with ours or someone's theory of atonement doesn't line up with ours, we need to back up and just remember the gospel. Jesus is alive. So rest in him. Trust in him. Ask him to lead you. If he's alive, he can do it. And spend time in the gospels listening to what Jesus said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Keep the core truth simple and work your way out from the center. And the center is Jesus is alive. Come see him and come worship him. So in light of our conversation last week on the subject of Israel and Palestine and there being only one family of God, not two, and in light of our conversation today on what constitutes Christian faith, I thought Romans 3, 28 through 31 would be appropriate. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also since indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. The gospel is good news for everybody because there's only one family of God and his salvation is for all of them equally. He has no regard for ethnicity or pedigree for God shows no partiality. Our quote of the day comes from Scott McKnight. Our biggest problem is that we have an entire culture shaped by a misunderstanding of the gospel. That so-called gospel is deconstructing the church. If you are enjoying these podcasts, please take a minute to rate and review the podcast so that more people can find it. It only takes a minute and you can do it right from your phone. So I encourage you to do that and I am grateful in advance. I want to share with you some exciting things coming up. I have been working hard on a lot of different projects behind the scenes, uh, some events and some new elements to the podcast. Uh, we are doing on our YouTube channel, The Gospel for Planet Earth, there are exclusive interviews that are coming down the pipe. Uh, they're getting ready to be released here in 2020. Um, that it, so I encourage you to go over to the YouTube channel, subscribe to that. But also our music channel, 
uh, Carl Gessler Music is going to be connected with the Gospel for Planet Earth channel because we're going to be doing a series on music and its impact on who we are and how it shapes us, and as well as providing you with some new music that we're recording. It's some of its original, some of its ancient, and I think you are going to be really blessed by it. So be sure to check out our YouTube channels as well as our family vlog. So we have three YouTube channels. Our family vlog is us on mission with Jesus, and we want to take you with us. We want to show you what we're doing, and we believe it will inspire you to a life of faith and obedience to Jesus. Um, so check those out. Also, if you are in the Western North Carolina area, we have a very special event coming April 29th to First Baptist Church in Hendersonville. Uh, we are going to have two guests who have been on the podcast in the years uh, past, David Arthur, who has a radical story of redemption. He lived a life as a male prostitute for 30 years, had full-blown AIDS, and he was on his deathbed when Jesus saved him and healed him. Uh, if you want to check out his story, it's in the archives a few years back. It's called Breaking Free from LGBT or A Real Life Story in the World of the LGBT. And uh, so check that out. Also, Margarita Walker uh, is going to be sharing her testimony as well. And she shared with us a couple years back, uh, growing up in Las Vegas without a father, um, having teenage pregnancies multiple times, and ha going through multiple abortions before she found Jesus and began that that process of healing. So I encourage you to go back into the archives, check those out, but both of them are going to be in person here in Hendersonville, North Carolina, on April 29th. And if you'd like to know more about that, then send me an email. My contact is in the show description, the notes below today's episode, as well as all the links to the YouTube channels. And if you check those out, you can send me an email. I can sign you up for our newsletter and you will be kept in the loop with all our music videos, our online content, as well as podcasts and events in the future. So uh, take a minute to do that. And any questions that you have, you can share those with us and we will do our best to incorporate them in future episodes. Next week, we're going to be hearing a testimony that's part one of a two-part story, which is exactly what I'm talking about in today's episode, a story of someone coming to Jesus with no Christian background, being completely in for the Lord, and then also being disillusioned by some unhealthy leadership and yet maintaining their faith through the process. So this is uh, going to be a story of construction, deconstruction, and reconstruction. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. Until then, God bless, and may you see Jesus, trust Jesus, and follow Jesus in all things.